Amen. Well, I'm going to be turning to the book of Acts, chapter 14. You can either hear the word of God or you can uh, follow with me as we're going to hear the reading from Acts 14, from verse 1 to 23. Uh, this is now the fourth sermon on Paul and Barnabas's first missionary trip. It's the first missionary trip. Now, for those who have been a Christian for a little while, when we read the stories, you'll be familiar with these, but imagine you're hearing it for the first time, because God does remarkable things in this central, what's today, Turkey region, bringing the gospel, and bringing the gospel, we're going to learn about this morning, to areas which are absolutely pagan, completely pagan. Um, so let's hear the word of God, Acts chapter 14 from verses 1 onwards. Now at Iconium they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derb, cities of Lyconia and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. Now at Lystra there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking, and Paul looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. And when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices saying in Lyconian, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance to the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd, crying out, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. 
In past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways, yet he did not leave himself without witness. For he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Even with these words, they scarcely restrain the people from offering sacrifice to them. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city, and on the next day he went with Barnabas to Derb. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And we will stop there for the moment. Um, the title of the sermon is this, The Gospel Takes Root in Galatia. The Gospel Takes Root in Galatia. Now, when you're reading the book of Acts, these four different cities, the first one was Antioch Pisidia, and then it was Iconium, and there were synagogues in those two cities, but then they fled to Lystra, and there was no synagogue there. There was no representation for the Word of God. It was a pure pagan city completely in Lystra, and there God almost turns up the volume of his power and brings the gospel with remarkable power so that people believe. But at the same time as the remarkable power, the volume of persecution from the devil also increases. And we see something of persecution here that Paul remembers for his whole life. And then we get this town, which I, I read, I've got to say, be honest, it's called Derb. I always think of Derby. Well, it's nothing to do with Derby down the road whatsoever. It's, it's Derb, which was another Galatian city. And there the gospel takes root as well. And so we see, not quite yet, but we see that disciples are made, but disciples alone do not make churches that these people need to be organized together. And Paul and Barnabas appoint elders in each of these towns, and then churches, fledgling churches, are formed, and it's with prayer and fasting. And remember how the mission started, that the leaders in the church in Antioch in Syria, with prayer and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, send out... Paul or Barnabas and Saul. And so the circular, the circle is almost complete. And so this first missionary journey, the gospel takes root in Galatia. But when you're reading Acts, unless you get a little atlas out, you'd never find out that these towns are Galatian cities, but they are. And deep in the heart of what we call Turkey today, the gospel 
comes with remarkable power. So when you read the book of Galatians next, you're going to read it with fresh eyes because now you're going to remember Acts 13 and 14 talks about the gospel coming into this, this region and God saving people. And so it also makes us think again about the words that Paul writes much later on when he writes as an apostle and said, I'm astonished. And Paul is, he's astonished that they turned so quickly from the gospel. But let me ask us all a question this morning. Could we also turn away from the gospel? Or immediately I ask that question, you may say, well, yes, somebody else might, but not me. But we need to hold fast to Jesus Christ and his cross. And Top Lady knew that. He died before he was 40 years of age, that preacher Top Lady. And there was a rise of Arminianism in England, and Top Lady stood against Arminianism. Arminianism is like a a Galatian heresy. It it says, well, you know, I, I chose Jesus. Well, if you choose Jesus you could also possibly not choose Jesus, which is actually a heresy. It's a false teaching. We didn't choose Jesus if we're born again because nobody can raise themselves from the dead. It's a miracle of God. And when the Lord begins a work, he completes it. But Top Lady wrote this, many hymns. He was a gifted preacher and a, a hymn writer. You know, Rock of Ages. But that wasn't all that he wrote. But there's a line and it says... That, uh, that simply do thy cross, we cling. And may we cling to the message of the cross this morning. You may be looking at yourself this morning as a Christian and say, I've, I've so let the Lord down. Well, we've all let the Lord down. But Jesus will never let us down. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Let's like top lady cling to Jesus and the message of the cross this morning. And know that we're made righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ. Our hands are empty this morning. We have nothing in our hands that we can present to God and say, Lord, I bring this to you. Even the works that we do once we're converted, if there's any good works, they're all the grace of God. And we have nothing to boast about except one thing. We are permitted one thing to boast about. We're permitted to boast about Jesus Christ and his message of salvation. And so we have three headings for us this morning. And it's important that children know that the church is not just for adults, that I've come here because mum and dad have said, come along. No, and, and also preaching is not just for adults either. Preaching is for everyone. And so as a preacher, I'm preaching to... Um, the younger ones as well as the medium ones and the bit older ones and the teenagers and then every single age. And they've got three headings for us this morning which you can all remember. Number one is Iconium. This is a Galatian city. Number two is Lystra, L-Y-S-T-R-A. And thirdly, Galatian churches established. So let's get straight to our first heading on this second missionary journey in 14 verse 1. Now at Iconium they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. 
Now, so there was a, an Old Testament church there, if we use that phrase, the synagogue, and wherever there was a synagogue, the missionary method of Paul was get into the synagogue, bring the good news to the Jews. They've got the scriptures. Let them have the first bite at the cherry, the opportunity to believe in Jesus. But the thing is, some did believe. Imagine that. Both Jews and Greeks. And the Greeks were what we call God-fearing people. They were not Jews, but they were God-fearing, and they would come to the synagogue to hear the reading of the scriptures. But on this occasion, God sends Paul and Barnabas. Imagine that. As far as I know, Paul and Barnabas had never met these folk. What results we have here in verse 1 alone? It says, a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. Do we believe that God could do that in our own day? Well, we, God can, but he may, he may not. The results are in the hand of the Lord, but this apostolic mission, there was a remarkable breakthrough, but in verse 2, and there's always going to be a but when there's such a breakthrough, it says, but the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So already persecution begins to, begins to emerge here in this Galatian city of Iconium. Oh, don't believe Paul and Barnabas. You know, these are just new fellows who've come into town. Well, the devil was stirring them up, and we see how that didn't just stop in verse 2. It carried on way after Paul and Barnabas left and started poisoning the pure river of the gospel so that they turn away from the gospel. And notice in verse 3, it says they remained for a long time. We're not told how long that long time is. We don't know. But Paul and Barnabas remain a long time there, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. So the gospel really enters this city, Iconium, with remarkable power. What a wonderful God that we have. But, again, we find, despite the progress of the gospel, in verse 4, the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. And it says in verse 5, when an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them. Imagine that. I mean, that's not the kind of persecution that maybe you and I face today. You and I face maybe family members, friends rejecting us. Oh, you're just a religious fanatic. Why don't you get rid of that religion and come back down the pub with us and get drunk again? I mean, that, that can be hurtful. But it'd be more hurtful if they got stones in their hands and were threatening to throw them at you to kill you. So this was severe persecution. But the Lord helped Paul and Barnabas. It says in verse 6, Paul and Barnabas, they learned of it what did they do? They learned of it, and they fled. They didn't stay there to be stoned to death. They fled to Lystra and to Derb, cities of Lyconia. And there they continued to preach the gospel. So there were many people now already believed in Iconium. They trust in Jesus Christ. 
And if people are born again, then nothing can remove that new birth. When the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. But Paul and Barnabas, that's the first heading, is Iconium. And so the gospel takes wonderful root there. But now we're going to move to the next heading and the next city, which is Lystra. L-Y-S-T-R-A. Lystra. In verse 8. Now at Lystra, that's where they come to now, this second or, well, it's the third actually, Galatian city. Now at Lystra, there was a man sitting. So they come now to this city to preach the gospel. Notice a difference here, first of all. What's the difference? The difference is they don't go into a synagogue because there is no synagogue in this Galatian city. Now at Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He could not use his feet. Now this is important for us. Why? Because the problem is sometimes we read the Bible way too fast so that the details don't sink in. Imagine not being able to ever use your feet. The next line says, he was crippled from birth and had never walked. That makes us thankful, doesn't it? Just for the physical use of our limbs. If we should give thanks for anything today, it would be, thank you, O Lord, for the privilege of walking. But this man had never walked. But what he could do, he could listen. And everybody this morning can listen and listen to the Word of God. The most important part of our physical body is what? It's our ears. It's not our eyes. We live in a world of visual overload almost. That everything can be bombarding our eyes. But here we see the ears are the most important part of our being. And this man, he could never, never walked but he could listen. And it says here, he listened to Paul speaking. And then we find now a parallel between Peter. Remember in Acts chapter 3 now, all the way back, uh, uh, and the gate beautiful, and there was a lame man there, and there were Peter and John, and God healed that man through Peter the apostle. And now we're going to see a similar miracle here by Paul Paul looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well said in a loud voice we thank God he's an apostle you know you and I would say well you know, just, just stand, try, try, try walking you know, just, just try it uh, but no he's an apostle and he's not, he's not having a go at trying to heal this man in a loud voice before all these pagans he looks intently at this man and says, stand upright on your feet. It's impossible. It's the same spirit of Christ working through Paul as was working through Jesus. Remember when Jesus said to the man with the withered arm, stretch out your arm. It's not Paul. It's the Holy Spirit doing this through Paul. If, if this doesn't happen, then the gospel is not true and will not progress. Stand upright on your feet, he says to this man. And he sprang up and began walking. Imagine the impact. Jumps up in the air. Never walked from birth. This is clearly miraculous. 
And what happens here then, the people demonstrate their idolatry. What do they do? Do they say, this is the living God. We believe in Jesus. No, they actually do the opposite. In verse 11, the crowd saw what Paul had done. They lifted their voices in crying out in Lyconian, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. And so they began to want to offer sacrifices to their false gods. They're calling Barnabas Zeus, one of the Greek gods. Hermes, uh, they're calling Paul, who was the chief speaker. And look at verse 13. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance to the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifice for the crowds. If you've ever preached in India, you know, uh, garlands can be used, you know, these flowers around the neck can be used as a, as a sign of respect for someone. But here, they're wanting to respect Paul and Barnabas, but treat them as gods. Again, if this is not dealt with, the gospel will flounder. Because this is not I, some idol that's caused this miracle. It's the living God. And so Paul heard of it, and they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd. And we'll stop there just for a moment. Because notice these people were crying out in Lyconian in verse 11. And so what we learn from this text is that there were many different languages in the Greek and the Roman world. There were the obvious immediate languages of Aramaic, of Hebrew, which the Jews uh, would use and read and speak. There was also Koine Greek, which simply means common, common Greek, which had spread all over the world due to, well, that part of the world due to Alexander the Great. And that was what the New Testament came to us in, Koine Greek. There was also Latin. That was the official language of the Roman Empire. But there were lots and lots of other languages. And here we see, we get a window in verse 11. And when the crowd saw that what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices saying in Lyconian. So there were many different languages, which is one of the things that Paul is dealing with in 1 Corinthians, that is saying, though there's many languages, we want the churches to meet in the official language, which is Koine Greek. So it helps to remove some confusion when we're thinking about different languages there in the book of Acts. But then we find the only time, I think, in verse 15, we get Paul addressing pagans, pure pagans here. Probably a similar thing in the book of Acts. What does Paul tell them in verse 15? He says, men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. Yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Even with these words, they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifice to them. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. It was in Lystra that this happened. So Paul is preaching the gospel. The gospel is progressing in that city, this pagan city. 
And then persecution arises from the Jews. And what do they do in verse 19? They come from Antioch, not Antioch in Syria, but this first city that the gospel was preached in, Antioch, Pisidia. Jews came from Iconium as well, the previous city where they preached. And having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul. Can you imagine that? They, that what, what, what's their aim? It's to close Paul's mouth. What's the devil's aim? It's to stop the preaching of the gospel. They stone him until he's lifeless. They drag him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. There's no wonder in our own generation that there's such an attack on preaching. Have you noticed that the last 50 years? Now, the devil changes his mask. He doesn't come and say, we're going to stone all preachers to death who believe the Bible and preach the gospel of grace. The British government wouldn't allow that. You know, headline news, man in Sheffield stoned to death, dragged into church graveyard and left there. That, that wouldn't be permitted. But the, but the problem remains the same. It's to stop the preaching of the gospel. Because, remember, it's our ears. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. It's an invisible act, preaching. It's by faith to call people to come to Jesus. And we mustn't write people off. As I was reading that, those words that Paul and Barnabas preached, I thought about this young lady, Greta Thunberg, I think her name is. I'm going to pray for her to be saved at the end of this sermon. Because she would say, no, I'm angry, I'm very angry, I'm so angry that you're ruining the climate. Wouldn't it be great if someone could address these climate change people and say, God Almighty made the heavens and the earth. He gave fruitful seasons. And he's now calling you in his grace to come to him. What a message this is by Paul and Barnabas, these pagan people. And we live in a generation of pagan people. They may wear smart suits. They may travel on private jets. They may be CEOs of big companies like Apple or Amazon or who knows whatever. But unless they repent, they will perish just like these pagans would as well. And so the message is good news for all of us that by God's providence, he has brought you into this chapel this morning to hear the good news that you can call upon the name of Jesus and be saved. You say, yeah, no, but I'm... Dad, I, I'm not an important person. It's not about being important. It's about being willing to come to Jesus. And if you're already a Christian, then this should fill us with great gladness. Because even the, the least person who's in the kingdom of God, will be greater than all the rulers of this world who've rejected the gospel. And we have a great hope this morning, don't we? We have a great hope based on the raising of Jesus from the dead. And by the way, this is an aside moment, but I was told as a kid at comprehensive school that, that the sea levels were going to rise. I actually married a Dutch woman. I was told... 
you know, within a few years' time, the Netherlands will be flooded. First, Lincolnshire will be gone. There'll be nothing left. Let's all flee to the Yorkshire mountains. They're not even mountains, are they? But I want to just say this, that the world will always promote fear. That's the message of the world. Fear, fear, fear. And sea levels have never changed in my little time on the planet. Why? Because God has set the boundaries of the sea. Not man. God has set the boundaries of the sea. Not CO2 levels or methane levels. Almighty God. The question is, will we turn from our sin and put our faith in Jesus Christ alone? And blessed is the child, blessed is the teenager, blessed is the adult who's not ashamed of Jesus. Well, I've not got through all my sermon, but that's okay. We thank God, even though we're not finished, that the breakthrough of the gospel has come to Galatia. Disciples have been made, and we're going to stop there for now, because the description for Christians here is disciples, which is just what Jesus said we must do. He said, make disciples. Disciple is a learner, it's a follower. A disciple, a Christian, is somebody who's willing to learn all of their days and keep learning more about Jesus and from the Scriptures. And then we're going to find next time, if God permits, the end of this second missionary journey where the disciples are gathered together and constituted to become churches. But we're going to stop there for now and we're going to pray for ourselves. We're going to pray for the leaders of these climate change initiatives and ask that God would save Greta Thunberg. Is that how you pronounce the name? I think it is. Let's not be angry at her. She's a sinner like we would be just left in our sin 